Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, living here in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Bebe. Hey, hi, Jason. You sound like you're in a rush. <laughs> you just want to get through the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. We have a very special guest, friend of the show, friend of the bridge, Fernando of Fairmubi, and Are We There Yet is back on the show. You can find him on YouTube and Twitter by searching F-E-R-M-U-B-E Fermubi or his other channel, Are We There Yet? You can find it by searching Are We There Yet? on YouTube and on Twitter. His insights are of particular relevance as he has been traveling throughout China during the period we're discussing, the pandemic. Hailing from Colombia, I hope I'm saying that right, an honorary citizen of China's Dongguan City, Fernando has uh, done media appearances and commentary with uh, agencies such as CGTN, China Daily, us, and more. Welcome to The Bridge again, Fernando. Well, thank you very much, Jason and Baby. Uh, Thank you for that introduction. That's really awesome how you presented me i have to write it down and do it myself when i do my videos <laughs> yeah so my first question is did you get your like driving license for this uh, rv because last time we no, talked you yet. were still not yet what happened <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is that it takes as i said before it's a matter of supply and demand right the the, the demand is not there so the supply is not there yet i'm oh, uh, actually i have to say i met another foreigner doing something similar to what i am doing but he's oh. not using a trailer so he doesn't need a special uh license mm-hmm. but again mm-hmm. it goes back to the same thing i'm the only one that needs this so Demand is not there, supply is not there. So, but thank you for asking. <laughs> but you've been, but you've been driving around, and it's okay. Yes, right? I had a chauffeur, as we said last time. My drive, my wife, he drives me around. <laughs> oh, I see. Where are you now? Where are you guys now? Right now, we are in a small place called Baisha in Yunnan, very close to Mijiang. Um, it's one of the most oh. beautiful places. People probably Gosh. know an area near here called Shangri-La. And uh, mm. we're going to be here for about seven days shooting the beautiful snow mountain. I don't know if you saw my Twitter feed this morning. It's just mm. glorious. Mm. So that's what we're doing right here. Um, we're going to be going to Shangri-La as well. And after Lucky almost 90 you. days in Yunnan, we're going to be mm-hmm. headed to Sichuan mm. next. So Wow. Yeah. Going I think Jason's TV. mind has like flown away. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to be sitting here well, you know, in movie. front of the mic. I want to be there. There's an old movie my dad watched uh, more than one occasion when I was a very young boy, five or six years old, about Shangri-La in China, up in the mountains. Lost in Horizon? I don't remember what it was, but these these travelers from the West ended up there and they stayed there for like decades and they stayed young. But as soon as they left and went back home, they almost instantaneously I mean, re-aged and, and passed away. <laughs> My wife and I have a rule that we can only say wow three times a day. But sometimes <laughs> we just go over the quota because it's just so beautiful, man. <laughs> mm. Before we get too far in talking about how beautiful China is, I think oh. we should contextualize for our listeners who aren't familiar with Fernando. So Fernando, <laughs> how, you are traveling across China and going to all the places 
that anyone can Jason go. So go. essentially, well, not just, yeah, Jason does want to go everywhere, but there's, <laughs> there's this discourse in the West sometimes that us foreigners in China can only go where we're allowed to go. But Fernando mm. breaks what? out of all of that because he goes wherever he wants to go. So could you tell us <laughs> a little bit about where you've been and what you're doing, Fernando? Well, we started traveling in this RV, which is, by the way, something that you're interested in, pulled by an electric vehicle made in China, um, mm. uh, in January 2021. So we We've been on the road for uh, close to 13 months, uh, sorry, uh, 15 months now. Mm. And um, mm. we started doing a tour of the East Coast because mm. we were a little bit concerned about charging stations. So from Guangdong, oh. which is our home base, we went to mm. uh, Fujian, we went to Shandong, and we went all the way to uh, uh, Jilin. Mm. And uh, we started coming yeah. down down the center of mm. uh, of China. So uh, Henan, Zhengzhou, and we ended up back in uh, Guangdong by the end of 2021. So that's the first mm. half of what we like to describe as a heart. <laughs> and, <laughs> the heart? Uh, we, yes, because this project is a, a, a project of love. It's a present to China in 2024, mm. as we mentioned on the last show. Uh, and mm. we want to make it in the shape of a heart. Mm. So... Oh, 2020, 2023, um, sorry, I must correct myself. We started in 2022, sorry, mm. <laughs> January That's 2022. Last uh, yeah, last year. So this year we started coming west um, and we went through, um, well, the west part of Guangdong. We went to um, Guangxi and we are now mm. uh, 90 days almost here in Yunnan. And we're going to head up to Sichuan um and uh, Xinjiang, uh, wow. Weizhou, all these areas in the West to complete mm -hmm. that that second half mm. of the heart shape that we want to make. Um, we'll probably end by December uh, of this year wow. in Hainan mm. Island again. Wow, Hainan Island. The wow. Yeah. So, so you we, can you drive to Hainan from China's Mandinga? Of course. <laughs> I didn't know there was a highway or something. But yeah. Basically, you get on the ferry. Mm. Oh, no, there's a ferry. ferry. You can get on the ferry and it takes about half an hour and oh. you're entering Haiko. And that's it. I've done that before, mm. um, uh, 2008. But this time we would do it on an RV. So it's... Uh, Nothing can stop Fernando. totally possible. You know, <laughs> Nothing Fernando, can stop me now. Bebe loves to stay home and you are yeah. traveling all over China. But you're in your home. See, baby, it exactly. could, you could also stay in your home <laughs> and visit everywhere. <laughs> I think I think that's like a dream of my husband. He like give him a van. He he'll start talking about I'm going to like this is the way I'm going to change it into an RV. But and baby, go here, here, all you have he'll to do, be searching for deserts. All you have to do is sit in the back and read your books and you're still at home and your husband gets I, to go wherever he wants to I go. I can't. I have like severe motion sickness. Oh. It's going to be torture for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I want to know um so you started this trip last year how are things different yeah. now last year january well i guess we were okay for most of the year uh but then yeah, there, periodically mean, there are problems with um the pandemic how did you 2022 guys was a little bit complicated 2022 mm -hmm. was difficult in terms of we had the spike of covid mm -hmm. um in certain parts particularly the east coast where we were starting our tour. So when we got to Zhejiang or Shanghai, there were areas that we just decided not to go to. Mm -hmm. 
because we mm. were a little bit afraid of of getting um um red alert on our on our tracking mm. app i forgot the health i even code, forgot what right? they're called if you yeah, drove the through code. the wrong city exactly so if there had been a case in that city then it would really affect us because we would have to be quarantined mm. and i may See, remind you uh, listeners that i travel with a dog and two cats oh, mm-hmm. so if i am to be yes if i'm to be mm-hmm. locked down or quarantine then that becomes a very big issue so not only for our health mm. but also for well the fact that we're traveling mental with animals, health we we made it a point to avoid red areas as much as we could um mm. but yeah so we were following the maps at every single district, every single city to figure out, okay, can we visit this place? Can we shoot where we want to shoot? Can we stay here? Sometimes it was like, okay, there was a case found in this place. Just pack up and go to another place because we don't want to get caught in this um, right. in this uh, lockdowns or, mm-hmm. or quarantines and things like that. So it was pretty stressful. You cannot imagine how much of a relief it was mm-hmm. for me when these um, the, the, the first um, uh, measures optimization came, and then the second ones after the the mm-hmm. big twentieth happened. It's it's back to normal. It's back to normal. I mean, we're still taking you, care of ourselves. Do you? Re- but, Did you guys yeah. use um, the Baidu epidemic map? I think Baidu yes. launched a COVID nineteen epidemic map that shows that that released like daily updates of data yeah. in China and in each province well, and probably in the city. Well, you and know, there was also, I like, what, immig- yeah, I would actually ahead. go on to like the Beijinger and websites like that, and then they mm. they would take screenshots of the Baidu map and post them on their platform, ah. so that I would see them inadvertently. And also, mm-hmm. um, for people who take like public transportation, there was like the Gaodu map. Uh, metro passengers traffic load that would sh- like show you um how heavy the traffic these were like new things that came up in the past few years just to deal with pandemic and the thing and the thing you forgot about fernando it was called a health code <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> remember well, the, the there, there green? were there were certain challenges that i would like to perhaps share with the audience one of was that when when you go into a big city, right? Um, the the apps and the mini apps and all the things that you need to that you needed to um, fill out uh, when mm-hmm. you go to a new place to tell where you've been from, your travel history, all these things, um, they mm-hmm. were set up to accept passports. But when you go into mm. smaller areas, they sometimes don't even have English, but that's not an issue mm. because my wife will help me translate. But sometimes the system itself was not designed to take passports. Yeah, that's because correct. Very few foreigners go mm. there. So mm. that would require us to go to a certain hospital and get tested and do all the process that was required at the time at a hospital. One of the main issues oh. with that was that that test result did not link up digitally, did not go into my my health code. So Mm. I would have to carry that particular paper. Mm. And some Mm. areas would require 24 hours or 44 hours. So that made it Mm. a little bit, it was stressful at that time. Mm -hmm. Not impossible, but Mm -hmm. stressful. Can we, let's go back to the beginning of the pandemic. So you were in Dongguan, yeah? Yes, sir. So, 2020. So where could you, uh, why don't we all share our stories of the first, you know, uh, 72 hours when the initial lockdown started to happen. Mm. So Fernando, do you want to go first? Could you tell us a little bit about where you were, what was going on and were you like at home? Yeah, my my best friend uh, here in China, he's a Portuguese guy, his name is Miguel Alves. And uh, he invited me and my wife and his uh, mother-in-law to spend Chinese holiday, Chinese New Year holiday oh. um, in Foshan. So we were actually at a, at a 
international change hotel, five star hotel in Foshan, mm -hmm. just enjoying a few days off. Um, when somebody uh, knocked at the door of our hotel, we were playing cards and they mm -hmm. said like, okay, sorry, there's a situation in China. We need mm -hmm. to take your temperature and uh, it's advisable that you head back to Dongguan where you came from mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow morning because um, we don't know if we are going to have to quarantine uh, the hotel. And we were like, mm -hmm. well, you can imagine our, our jaws just dropping like what? <laughs> Out of um, nowhere. <laughs> exactly. So so we all got on our WeChats and started to figure out what was happening and what was taking mm. place. And uh, as a matter of fact, the next day, we just headed back to Dongguan and, uh, and we're not, luckily, not locked down over there. Now, the situation when we got back in, in Dongguan was um, there was no no panic. Mm. Uh, mm. We basically got to the city, we got to the supermarket, bought some food and things because we didn't know what was going to happen. We mm. stocked up on uh, canned stuff mm. and, and dry foods and things like that. And we remained at home. It was still the, the Chinese New Year holiday for mm. us, um, mm -hmm. for our business. So it meant n the only difference was that we were not enjoying ourselves. We're just at home and watching Netflix and whatnot, but uh, mm. nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Over those few weeks you mentioned that you wanted to talk about the first 72 hours but that was my first 48 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i would like to push it a little bit sure. uh, please do a few a few weeks we never lost the the possibility to do to go out mm -hmm. or to go shopping or to get uh, packed at the door or anything like that um the city remained pretty much normal mm -hmm. now there's mm -hmm. something important to say about dongguan dongguan is a migrant city it's a city of a lot of um workers that go back to their hometowns during the Chinese mm. New Year. So the population at the moment, at the time when when COVID happened, was pretty much the locals and, and the long stayers. So mm. that also helped uh, the fact that there was no scarcity. There was no scarcity of, mm. of food or anything mm. like that because right. Right. a lot of people were just back home. Mm. Well, uh, baby, do you want to share your oh, experience? Sure. Well, I still remember this. I think we were on the train on January 21st. Like before we got on the train, we, you know, we started hearing things about maybe there was something going on. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but nothing was certain yet. It was literally when we were on the high speed rail, like mm -hmm. sitting on our seats. And then that's when we started looking at the news right on our cell phone. <laughs> Slowly, we're like, this is not right. You know, there's there's like more and more news about this um like virus going on. And remember, we already had our masks on because we were, you know, there there um news about it beforehand, but it mm -hmm. wasn't as serious. By the time we got to um like my my husband's hometown, because we were going back for the Chinese New Year, that's when things started to get a bit more serious. Mm -hmm. And uh, we they had booked um like a New Year's dinner. It's a huge thing. I mean, Chinese New Year. Yeah. And this whole, they, they booked like six tables. Wow. You know, for all kinds do, of relatives. I want to do relatives. Chinese New Year with you. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a very festive time. And so can you imagine how hard a decision it was to cancel that dinner? Like mm. we literally, they, they literally like decided to cancel like a few hours, um, maybe like what, 12 or hours before. And this was on the 22nd or the 23rd? It was like, uh, yeah, I think it was like early 
January 20 something, mm. but around that time. And for the next like week, we just stayed home and kind of just tried to figure out what was happening. Mm. And, and I think it was on, um, was it on the 23rd that, that the, there came the lockdown of Wuhan? Yeah, Wuhan lockdown. And I want to, I want to share with our listeners that this does not happen. Like in all the decades that I've been alive and also for my parents, like there's no lockdowns of, of anything like this. So it was by that time, we all knew that it was deadly serious hmm. um, and everybody was, uh, you know, pretty scared. And I remember we were in we were in Gansu at that time. I don't think there was like um, local like lockdowns, mm-hmm. but but there was no one out because everybody was just at home trying to figure out what was happening. Everybody was like, you know, scared of themselves. I don't think they needed to lock anyone or any communities down. Because there's, you know, people just didn't go out if they could. So it was a, it was a very quiet time. It was very weird uh, Chinese New Year. Mm. Um, yeah, and still, I think people are still trying to figure out. Um, that's the early days. Yeah, well, my my story is were actually. Were you in Wuhan? Were you in Wuhan? No, I'm. I moved to Wuhan at early 2022, 2021. Uh, I moved okay. into Wuhan as Wuhan was actually. Well, I want to tell my first couple of days before we get there. But um, mm-hmm. for when when it actually broke out, I was like you. I went to with my wife to visit her family in Shandong, and we were there. And we heard that Wuhan locked down. So it must have been the 23rd because that's when Wuhan locked down. So we were like, okay, we need to go home tomorrow morning because we're worried that Mm. Beijing or Shandong or something might lock down. And we have a cat Uh. and our cat was at home alone. We were bad parents. So we rushed back the next morning. Like first train was like 6 a.m. or something. And we shot mm-hmm. back to Beijing because we needed to be at the house in case there was a larger lockdown, which there ended up being kind of, you know, different cities started locking down and things. And we so mm-hmm. we could make sure that our cat was safe. So we rushed home to save our cat, essentially. And mm-hmm. we, we did. We only ended up staying one very brief night, maybe 12 or 13 hours with her parents for Chinese New Year before we left. But, you know, mm-hmm. you're right. Yes. Uh, so Wuhan locked down and then different cities were locking down over that whole period to keep people safe. But um, mm-hmm. we I got a job offer in Wuhan. And I was like, I don't care. And so a lot of people were like, I don't know, Wuhan became like a weird thing. And I was like, I don't care. Mm. You know, Wuhan is one of the safest places at that time. When I mm-hmm. moved, when I yeah, went to Wuhan. After. Yeah. When I, Beijing was clear when I left and Wuhan was clear. There were no cases in both cities. So I m- moved mm. directly from Beijing to Wuhan almost instantly. There were cases mm-hmm. in Beijing after I left. So we were like, wow, wow. hey, we went to a better place. <laughs> Smart, smart. It was very, very similar to us uh, when we were traveling because it seemed like COVID was behind us all the time. We (laughs) left the place. Oh, those cases over there. We left the place. Oh, those cases over there. (laughs) Mm. But I wanted to I wanted to point out something that um, before we started traveling and, and basically one of the things that got us to start traveling was that the, one of the first questions that came to our mind on the, the first appearance of COVID was, okay, how is it going, how is this going to affect our business? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we worked with children. So, mm-hmm. okay, we're on holiday right now, but how is, how long is this going to last? Yeah. How's lo- mm-hmm. How long is this quarantine or this lockdown or this social distancing going to last? Mm-hmm. Are we allowed to open for the next term? So that really mm-hmm. started uh, weighing quite heavily on, mm-hmm. on, on our minds. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we going to do? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people experience the same, uh, that anxiety about, okay, let's do this, but how long is it going to take? 
When can mm. we, how long do I need to prepare for? That was a question that was in the, in the heads of everybody here in China at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how you guys went through that period of anxiety. You know, a lot of the, um, so this is interesting for me. Uh, I may have already told this story, so I'll try to keep it brief. But mm. I was working for a, a school too, like an international school style uh, company. And a lot of our employees left to go abroad because they were foreigners to go home oh. to visit moms and dads during Chinese New Year. So when mm. China like started locking down here and there to prevent the spread of COVID, these people were in their home country saying, I'm not coming back. So we had a lot of re mass resignations. And what's mm. really interesting for us is all the people who stayed, then China became the safer place. And all right. these people who had rushed back to America and other UK and other countries suddenly, like, I, I hate to say it, but the deaths uh, started just spiraling out of control within a few months. Mm. And China ended up being the place where people were relatively safe and there were very mm. considerably fewer deaths. So a lot of the people that I knew personally who rushed home and then stayed there ended up regretting it in the mid and long term because China ended up being a lot safer place to be. Now, understandably, what mm. Fernando said is true too. A lot of small business owners and school teachers were, you know, working from home or teaching from home or getting partial pay and things. And so it was it was understandably frustrating for some people. But I, I think my own yeah. opinion is, you know, human mm -hmm. life probably should trump profit. Yeah. Yes. I, that's, uh, that's I agree one of with the you, things Jason. that I that's one of the things that I that I understood um as I realized that well it was time to to move on to some something else to other mm. endeavors and i'm talking about mm. that um towards the end of 2021 um the idea of health before wealth mm. and 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 wealth created based on that health that we have mm -hmm. uh, protected uh, with all the measures that the government um implemented uh mm. it's not easy but it's mm -hmm. yeah. the key thing if you are alive, you get to fight another day. You get to mm -hmm. try right. something else. But if unfortunately, like the millions of people abroad who passed because of COVID, that's it. You don't, you don't end up story. Mm. Right. So yeah. I was, I was appreciating the fact that, okay, this just requires flexibility. This just, this just requires being creative. Mm. Um, thinking out of the box and that's what led to are we there yet that's what led to mm. are we there yet the, I, the youtube channel and the project so fernando really quick you know you had a very unusual experience compared to everyone else even you know as everyone else i i didn't i moved to wuhan i moved back to beijing other than that i didn't travel at all and yet for some mm. wild reason i guess you're you know you, you move on to this project where you're like i'm gonna go everywhere so it's an unusual time to choose that but you also have a very unique vantage as a foreigner in china traveling all over the place i'm wondering can you share both the good and the bad you know don't hold back tell us a little bit about what was the atmosphere like what how what were the differences between towns and cities and how were things you know evolving and developing over 2022 that you saw that maybe the rest of the world didn't didn't really get that kind of you know insight across the landscape All right before before i talk about 2022 give me two sentences about 2021 sure sure there was mm. a sense of normality mm for most of 2021. Mm. Uh, the right. lockdown went on for eight weeks. 
or something like that. And then Wuhan reopened in April and, and everything went back to normal. There were mm. sporadic cases here and there that affected my business. Mm. No, mm. not necessarily other businesses, but my business in particular. And that's what led me to, okay, time to close the, the center and, and mm -hmm. just move on with uh, this other project. Mm. Now, onto some of the things that I experienced, there were issues with people um, not knowing that I, as a foreigner, stayed in the country and, and struggled with the country mm. and, and mm. sacrificed with every one of the Chinese people that were doing the same. Mm. But they mm. don't know that when they see a foreigner face. Mm. So there were people mm. who would uh, walk away, mm. who mm. would uh, try to distance themselves when they see a foreigner. Mm. But mm. you gotta you got to put yourself in other people's shoes. Mm. Mm -hmm. I understand what they're thinking. I understand the feeling and the emotion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They don't know that I've been in the country since 2018 and haven't left, haven't crossed mm -hmm. any borders since then. They don't mm -hmm. know that. They just see mm -hmm. a foreigner face. Did this guy land yesterday? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. bring it? They oh, have no idea. About, about UK. Maybe this guy's from there. So <laughs> yeah. that's one of the things that helped me to, to just deal with it in, in a very calm way. It's mm -hmm. never nice. It's never... Mm. Uh, but it's reality. Happy That's moment. Reality. But but you can understand it when you're able to move to that space of understanding what the other person is going through. Then like, okay, fine. Let's just go somewhere else. Let's just. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That was yeah. one of the things that that took place. Um, issues, as I mentioned before, with um, trying to fulfill the requirements that uh, small towns or cities or provinces needed, and you being very open and say like, look, this is everything I have. What else? Mm -hmm. How else can I prove to you that that this is true that I haven't? So there were instances where people were doubting you, and that can mm. feel a little bit unfair. Hmm. But if you if you let things cool down, de-escalate, and 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 just be open, like what do you need? How can I prove to you that I came from this city? How can I? There was mm. a time, for example, when the only way we could do was show them the GPS of our car. Like, look, <laughs> oh. this is where we drove. We did not wow. go into this town. Right. Because mm. uh, we would have long driving uh, uh, stretches, like, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. two or three days on a highway. So we would sleep at mm. service stations. We would not leave the, the highway. And then there mm. was a case and one of the places through which the highway passes. So when we were exiting the highway, they would come and say, like, hey, it shows here that you were at the service station. And there was a case that, yeah, but we did not leave the service station. We would not go into the town. So, mm. yeah, it was a matter of what do you need? Mm -hmm. How can I prove to you um, mm -hmm. my, my, my travel history? So it was, it was a time to, to be patient. Mm -hmm. It was a time to be understanding. And it was a time to mm. be calm and collected and, and, and understand that it's all about mm -hmm. protecting people. Yeah. Um, all the sacrifices and all the struggles or the disturbances to, to, our, to our project were all because we were trying to protect people in China. The that makes it easy good. to understand. Did things get easier in 2022? Oh, like people Lord, were yes. more used to the situation and we've been through this and, you know. Um, when, when the Shanghai situation got better, we mm. again saw um, a, a, an easing of uh, travel measures and travel controls. Mm. Uh, uh, then again, we had another um, 
flare up towards the end mm. of 2022 uh, and mm. then again restricted some things uh, but with the campaign of vaccination of the elderly and and the micro targeting which mm. was the important thing people mm. failed to observe that it was not like there was a measure for covid it kept being revised yeah and and, and uh Updated. tweaked here and tweaked there and uh, different things were were improved and made better so that the disturbances to uh, people's daily lives were lesser and lesser so mm -hmm. by the end of 2022 even though there were some flare-ups for example in beijing uh, mm -hmm. people were able to still have a sense of normality that mm. um, that was afforded by this micro-targeting and this improvement of the measures that were implemented in the country. Uh, mm. That that to me tells me that all these revisions were based on data, mm. were based on mm -hmm. science, and mm. that gives you a sense of trust. You yeah. Can, Exactly. You know right. where it's coming from. It's not. Right. Uh, it's not a finicky or somebody just decided that this is what we're going to do. This is what. No. Okay. The data says this. It's not capricious. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. It's See, data driven. This is a really good. This is a really good point, Fernando, because I think over the past three years, uh, people have developed more trust in the government, especially the central government, like the numbers we see at the beginning, we were like, so how do they know how many numbers of cases, right? Um, mm -hmm. But then slowly, the numbers start to make sense. I mean, I was, you know, when I got to Wuhan, I was conducting my own casual investigation. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. Wuhan people that I know now, because I made a lot of friends really quickly. I was mm -hmm. like, tell me about it, how it was. And they were like, there's nothing to tell. It's just like Beijing only earlier, you know, like, yes, there were mm. a couple of weeks where there was like, people were very nervous and people were concerned, but the government took mm. immediate actions. And, you know, so they believed that the people living in Wuhan, every single person I asked foreigner and, you know, Chinese alike, they all were like, yeah, this is, this is the way that China reported what went down. That's how it went down. Mm. So sometimes I read these very bizarre lies about what really went on in Wuhan about like millions dying. And it's just, like no that's not what happened like what? yeah so it's absolutely bizarre some of the false accusations that get there was this reporter right who went uh, at the end of 2022 in beijing going to funeral homes and talking about how the numbers must be really really high because look now when you go and look at the numbers you realize that about 350 people die every day mm. in 2019 in Beijing. From other things. Yeah, exactly. Mm. 350 people die daily in Beijing. It's a city of uh, 2021 million people. Mm -hmm. People are going to die. Mm. So this reporter showing 20 bodies here or, or 30 bodies here, there's 350 people dying every day in yeah. 2019 pre-pandemic. So mm. that was really upsetting well yeah another how, thing there's some bizarre people yeah. they were showing people burning the funeral money the joss the fake money the joss okay. money mm. and they were saying they're burning mm. bodies and no they're not a very common what? tradition yeah this is Gosh. true i can't yep. say i don't want to say the name of the person who with two hundred thousand followers who has this connected to the top of his twitter but uh they, they people were burning big piles of joss paper which is like because maybe someone did pass, maybe grandpa passed, maybe they even did die of COVID. It was possible, but they weren't burning mm -hmm. bodies in the street. That's Joss money. 
to send to the afterlife so that their grandpa right. or whatever would have riches in heaven. So like the mm. some of the media that was reporting on China was just ludicrous. And we're talking about huge international media bodies that were reporting this stuff. No, oh, that I was feel bad that was for to viewers, me so. really to me was really upsetting because uh it's so easy to twist the story. It's so easy to show to you just mm. this little thing. Yeah, mislead people into believing things. And whenever you go out there and you say, that, no, that's not how it is. This is what it is. For example, in a video that I made, I showed the data, right? That the, the mortality rate in, in Beijing in 2019 was 5.4 per thousand. You mm. calculate that to 21 million and that's what it gives you. It gives you about 300 people a day. So 20 mm. body bags, Proves absolutely nothing. Mm, mm. But mm. we are so past the age of critical thinking. We are so past the age of logic and reason and 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 do your own checking. People just believe what they want to believe. And I think that this comes a lot from frustration from Western citizens. Yeah. Uh, frustration mm, and, with their, their own governments yeah. that haven't because, done the yeah, what was it? Thing. Trump was like, oh, it's all just going to go away on its own. <laughs> and that did yeah. not happen. Let's stop testing because the more you test, the more you find. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But and, and speaking ahead, of which, I, I think I was just uh, I came across this video um, of someone from the state saying how, you know, banning TikTok is a is a way of uh, banning truth in a way, because through TikTok, you know, in, in, in the States, you know what the main stream media is like. Mm. So I think, you know, these days when we think uh, speak, when we talk about trust in the government, we can validate things a lot better now with these different channels of, uh, you know, private platforms where people can can show what their life is actually like. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really appreciate the fact that uh, during, you know, the past three years, um, we have, we can, we are able to trust the numbers released by the government, uh, places that we should be careful to avoid um, and for how long and when we can go back. So I think that's one of the things that uh, China as a whole um, has gained from this experience. You know, we're a lot more better. Uh, we can be better organized in face of emergencies. And who knows what will happen, right? Or tornadoes or earthquakes and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, if it happens in the future, let's uh, hopefully not. We can do a much better job of organizing people to save places and also organizing uh, delivery and medical services and also to have trust in a central government that can um, make sure that things are in balance from from, you know, a overall view. So I think it's almost like looking back, it's almost like a stress test, you know, for for governance and for people uh, down to the individual level. You know, what can we do in front of um, what, when it comes time um, of severe challenges like this? Mm. So um, if we if there's a silver lining to it, you know, we've been um, trained uh, to to be able to deal with things like this. Well, can but I, I do want to get. Go ahead. Go, sure, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, I just want to hear. I just want to hear more about Fernando's travels, like updated <laughs> travels, because it's been months. And now um, I think things were cleared. Right. All the regulations and restrictions were cleared earlier this year in January. Yeah. Last like, time we talked. I think pretty much. Yeah. Last and time then, we talked was, I think, December. We we were still in Guangdong. Yeah, we were still in Guangdong. And it was the end of December. Were, and we, mm -hmm. we, we basically... Uh, welcomed in Guangdong the announcement of the of the easing of the optimization of all these uh, COVID control regulations that would basically mm -hmm. allow us to go anywhere without um, 
the first one to go was travel history. Then it was mm. uh, the 72 hours, uh, the 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, and then just no, no testing. So mm. in a matter of uh, a few weeks or so, life became so much easier for us to travel um, because as i mentioned before for us it's it's, it's a matter of uh, planning the logistics of a trip as i said uh, mm. a few minutes ago we're pulling this rv trailer or caravan as they say in the uk uh, with an electric vehicle so we depend on the infrastructure um, of the highways to be able to charge mm -hmm. so that's the first thing that we need to consider mm. Mm. So in 2022, it was, okay, the first thing is COVID. Mm. Forget about mm. charging. Forget about that. The first thing is COVID. So 2023 has become, okay, we don't need to worry about COVID. We go back to our main consideration, which is, okay, can we make it there with our car? <laughs> so that's a mm. that's a one huge amount of worry and concern that is off our shoulders with mm. our trip we just go back to our normal thing and and i posted a video uh where we made a mistake with with our uh planning and we ended up almost stranded almost but uh, we made it <laughs> <laughs> well what would happen if you got stranded what, what what's the next step if you run out uh, of well, juice look, uh basically um you are uh there's two things that i can do as a user of my particular brand, I can call a service mm. and they will send mm. a, a card that is going that has a generator and is going to give mm. me charge to get to the next charging station on the highway. Mm. But um, if you were in another brand, what you probably would do is have to be towed, yeah, by the highway wow. patrol uh, unit, whatever, and they tow you out of the highway and take you to a charging station, or oh, they take you to the nearest charging station. But then you would have to pay for that as well mm. um mm. now the thing is that on a highway you do have charging stations like every 50 or or 60 or 70 kilometers mm -hmm. it's incredible the amount of charge that there are in the country now mm. as i said in the video i made a mistake i thought like yeah we can make it yeah <laughs> we can make it we were at a station having lunch mm. i'm like should we charge? Nah, it's just 60 kilometers. Nah. But it's Yunnan Mountains, my friends. Oh, wow. It's Yunnan mm. Mountains, which are crazy. It's a different so, story. <laughs> when we were like 30 kilometers from the next charger, like, and had like 70, 70 kilometers of range, I'm like, no, with these mountains, we're not going to make it. So we uh, basically asked the AI in our, in our car, like, hey, we need to charge. Um, and then he gives you options. Do you want it on highway or out of the highway? So he showed us a charger in a very small village mm. outside mm. of the highway. So we just exited the highway, drove there five kilometers and charged at a very fast speed. It was like an 80 kilowatt hour. Um, just to give you an idea, our our car has a 100 kilowatt hour battery. So it meant that within an hour and 20 minutes, we could be back to 100%. And Ooh, this is in a small nice. village where nobody has an electric car, for sure. <laughs> and it's like 2,000 people. Why is it that? Was there well, for, to for, get ready for emergencies? Pending, <laughs> of course. Fernando's yeah. coming. We need to put this here. <laughs> no, because there's always there's always uh, emergency plans, and and I mean, I I am not the designer of this infrastructure, <laughs> but there's I've, the fact is I've never been stranded. I've, it's never happened to me. Um, 
one of the but first that's how videos it works. that I made. Yeah, you, yeah, you exactly. You build the that's... stations first, and then the cars walk up. Right? <laughs> exactly. And highways, if you don't have, roads, if you don't yeah. have the infrastructure, if you don't, again, going back to the license, right? If you don't have the 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 supply, then the demand will not be there. So mm. that's that's what China did differently. That was very interesting. They made the decision to make public transportation electric, but mm. that automatically was the demand. So mm-hmm. go ahead and build the supply. Go ahead and build the infrastructure mm. because the, the 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 demand will be there. And that made it so that private individuals would say, oh, now there's a network. Okay, I'll go buy my electric vehicle. Mm. Um, mm. So that's that's interesting. And I was uh, very, very surprised by how fast it grew how mm. fast i've shown also in some videos there's there's so much infrastructure just ready to go like it, mm-hmm. they have the towers they have everything there but it's just not ready to use it's a matter of two mm. or three weeks mm. um so it's fascinating to see well you know i want to change the topic if it's okay with everyone a little bit to i think the elephant in the room fernando you are traveling all over china you know we're talking about infrastructure and covid and how you get there and is it okay are you going to make it but like could you tell us a little bit about going to places where maybe maybe no other foreigners have ever been could you tell us a little bit about what it's like off the beaten track in china which is really what you're doing it's it's just one of the best feelings in the world, Jason and Bebe. It's you mm. get to a place and people look at you like, wow, <laughs> foreigner. <laughs> it's, it's because I remember when I came to China in 2020, that happened quite a lot. But over the mm. years, right, two decades, they're just another foreigner. Who cares? And you're <laughs> ugly, fat and bold. So I don't look at you. But now, <laughs> yeah, if you're handsome like Jason, of oh, course you on. get the looks. <laughs> but if you go into a very small, place then then they probably have never seen a foreigner before so it, it's always the generosities or always the friendliness they offer mm. you food they offer you we were in a very small place in in yunnan and there was a lady selling tea mm. and she comes like oh come in come in have some tea and you know you have this foreigner apprehension like oh she's just gonna sell me something so like no no, no, no I, I don't want to buy don't worry like i'm not selling you anything she was upset she's like i'm not selling you anything just come here and we sat down and we talked and she showed us uh, the different things that she does and all the things it's so mm. nice mm. i have such a, a a soft heart for the elderly in the countryside mm-hmm. i just mm-hmm. love talking to them i just love just getting to know what their lives are like mm-hmm. and and right. they're they probably never had anyone interested in their daily lives. Mm. Uh, we were talking about that with my wife this morning. Like, like to me, I'm I'm videoing this village that's built on rocks, and to them is mm-hmm. that's where they live. They don't like what are you shooting this? That's for? normal, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But to me, so to them to see my amazement and my emo- my excitement and and my enthusiasm for mm. things that are so mundane to them mm. uh, they're like oh, let me talk to this foreigner because this is what's going on in his head <laughs> yeah. no you know i get i actually i was talking to someone about that the other day they were like no don't shoot that that's just like a street vendor i was like do you have any idea americans have no idea what this looks like to you it looks like nothing it's mundane i use that word but to like someone in the united states who's never left the united states this is exciting. <laughs> what what was it? What kind of food stand was it? It was just an, oh. you know, they sell those egg burrito things. I don't know what they're, I'm ah. sorry. And they, they, uh, they fold the egg over with food inside. But, you know, in America, mm. like, they would be very, very, very interested to see what regular, normal, everyday, mundane life in China is like.
like because they don't really know what it looks like. Especially in like remote villages in Yunnan. Oh yeah, province. absolutely. But I don't even see that often. You know, we yeah. have, <laughs> we have a lot of time left, but I wanted to ask Fernando early because you mentioned you're going to Xinjiang. When you get to Xinjiang, mm. can we please please have you back on the show? Uh, I'll have to look at my schedule. <laughs> yeah, see, Jason, we have to of book ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Fernando will be busy trying all the great like food on the street. And what about and kalbaza, kalbaza, like roasted? Oh, what do you call it? A, so like good. Oven baked. Just, a, just a, like um, yeah, it would be like the word that comes to mind is a Spanish one, empanada. Mm. <laughs> Ooh. No, look, then, I, I will be there and I will be doing so much content. I will be mm. putting like short content just to show people mm-hmm. like, look, this is where I wake up and this is what I see. This is where I have lunch. This yeah. is this is how we like daily life. You should. And, absolutely. And the daily people are gonna... things that people do in, in, in Xinjiang. I'll be reposting so, Fernando all day long. <laughs> guys, just we'll be like me drooling in front of we'll the talk video. for Watch hours. Video. <laughs> well, you know, I have a question. Yeah. Well, let's go back to electricity for a minute. Xinjiang is huge is an understatement so are there have you already checked the the charging stations throughout your journey there yes yes i mean we we could mention just the fact that they just finished a brand new highway <laughs> that goes Ooh. around the the desert uh I forgot the name of the desert Taklamaklan, something like that oh, uh, forgive me mm. exactly <laughs> and well every highway has chargers mm. uh, it goes around the, the desert connecting different oh, cities but it's a highway so Mm-mm. that basically means that Every 50, 60, 70 kilometers, there's going to be chargers. And mm. and the interesting thing is that there are the, the difficulty was always to to get to those cities because, for example, we've been to Qinghai, we've been to mm. Kashgar, we've been to places, and we know that there are electric cars over there, but it's the distances mm. which makes it difficult. Um for us, just we go slow. What does that mm. mean? I go to there are many RV camps oh. in in uh, Xinjiang. And the fact that we can charge our car from a regular outlet, that's another advantage. Oh, really? Wow. From a yes. regular outlet, like like the, the outlets, wall? let's say on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you, where you cook, where you where you plug your, your cooker or where you plug your, your blender is the same. So you could it's gonna take a little bit longer. And you can charge anywhere. Wow. Yeah, I can plug anywhere. It takes a little bit longer. Like Mm. it takes about eight hours. Right. Well, you just go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You do it like with your phone. So if I'm at an RV place, I just I just plug it and that's it. Mm. How expensive will that be? Every morning. Like if you were to charge your RV like from my my apartment how much shall i charge yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> look uh depends because what what governments do local governments is they have specific hours where the rates are cheaper so for example if oh. you charge overnight you pay about mm. zero point let me check with the with the boss is it 0. 0.3 or 0. 0.03 remember babe you mean your wife huh yes I think she's yes, there. Of course she is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like zero point three per per kilowatt or per do. So mm-hmm. it's really really sense. cheap to to get. I, look, when I was at home, I was charging every day, and I paid about between seventy and a hundred RMB a month. A month. A month. That's like yeah. ten dollars. Ten or twelve dollars yeah, exactly. a month for charging. Yes, exactly. That's like. And I used to. That's- when I used to drive a, a combustion engine car, I would pay a thousand, a thousand two hundred a month. Wow! I so know. When yeah. you go That's outside to commercial difference. chargers, uh, it's a little bit more expensive. But I, I can charge my car with sixty or seventy RMB, which is about ten dollars. 
in a mm. fast charger. Guys, could I no. change yep. the, the course of the conversation just a little bit? Because we only have uh, seven or eight minutes left. I wanted to ask okay. this from everybody. So since uh, COVID has ended, like, you know, in terms of the old policies and everything's much more open now, like what is, how is your daily life different now than it was before? Whoever wants to go first. Maybe well, you, you me, I'll go first because it's <laughs> short. <laughs> because yeah. I ha- I don't go anywhere and I'm not going anywhere. So it's about the same. No more testing. That's about the only thing. And by testing, I, for me, it wasn't like every day. It was mm. like once in a long while I would go for a testing. Mm. Um, so you for me, it nothing really On your green code much. thing, baby, to go like weekly or, you know, whatever. Unless... To- I had to go somewhere, but otherwise no one bothered me. You know, in my case, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even Wuhan, get a vaccine. <laughs> what? You're not vaccinated. Wow. I got three. But, you know, when, when no. I was living in Wuhan, they would call <laughs> us at our apartment and say, oh, we have to do, you know, we're right now we're doing one every four days. Come down and get your mouth swapped. So we actually did. Yeah, once do, in a while. Like, well, no, it wasn't doing, once in a while. At our community. They were, mm. they were like, okay, it's been four days. You and your wife and your mother-in-law, we were living together, have to come down and get a mm-hmm. test. So we periodically, even if we were just going to stay home, needed to get a test mm-hmm. anyway. Oh, oh, but but well, you know, what I was going to say is uh, I think right now the only difference between life now and life in 2019 is maybe on the elevator or on the subway we wear a mask. And then pretty mm-hmm. much everywhere else, it's like optional. And that's mm-hmm. that's uh, pr- otherwise life is pretty much the same. What do you think? Oh, for, for me, the, oh, the greatest difference for me is sure. that now I don't have an excuse not to go out. I oh, used to have a really good excuse. Yeah. Oh, because of COVID, I, I, I can't make it. Now it's like, <laughs> oh, I have to search for something, something else to say. <laughs> but yeah, yeah Fernando, what about you? Have you have no excuse. You have no excuse to, to, <laughs> to gain Be weight. Be a nerd. Stay home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, look, I would like to point out something a little bit more, more of a broader thing sure. when you when you consider society. I think that what this created was two very important things. Number one is awareness, awareness mm. of hygiene, awareness of where we put our hands, not to put them in our mouth, to, to, to wash our hands. There was something that perhaps was there, but now it became the norm. Washing your hands, mm. wear a mask, uh, don't, don't, don't touch things. I think that COVID changed the way we we operate daily in terms of hygiene uh, at all mm. levels of society. Yeah, mm. that's mm. one thing. And the second one is, as you mentioned earlier, uh, that sense of trust in the government. When the government tells you, "Hey, this is happening. We need to do this," mm. um, you, you, your first instinct is, "Okay, let's do it." Why? Because we mm-hmm. have a proven record of trusting the government. Mm-hmm. We did what the yeah. government mm-hmm. told us to do, and and People it worked. Were, it, it paid off. So hey, did he um, drop? So oh. that's that's those are those are two very important changes that I see in everyday life. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, summarizing a, a heightened level of hygiene. In regular people mm-hmm. and mm. uh, people just listening to what the government says that we need to do. I was thinking like overall, like for the people in society in general, it was a great trial for us to build our spiritual strength. And I don't really mean it in the uh, like a religious sense, but um, to, to know that uh, like things could happen. I think it was also um, an opportunity, a quote unquote opportunity to bring the whole society together. You know, for people to be willing to come together in the face of uh, a huge challenge that nobody could have imagined. You know, our generation couldn't have imagined it. And to be able to to beat it, to be able to win against such an unimaginable challenge. Um, and that gives us a sense of confidence that we can do this as a community, as a society, as a country. Hmm. If we could do this, guys, 
you know, imagine how um, many other challenging things we can deal with if we just, you know, put our minds together well, and I, put I, public good and, you know, above the private. Interest. I actually agree with yes. you. And Bebe was talking about this with me uh, an hour before the show. And but what Fernando said about trust in the government and what Bebe saying about society coming together. Imagine mm. in the future, like Bill Gates is right for example, and a much worse strain of some horrible disease strikes oh, the world. Dear. China has had a very good dress rehearsal on how to have that kind of situation. Are and you so kidding me? Yeah. This, this would be the safest place in the world to be. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And all at different levels and sections of the society, like um, you are going to be have a much better chance of having things delivered to your door. And also you have much better chance of having nurses and volunteers who help to to, to test and also to deliver medicine um, and local public workers, you know, people who work at the very local level of the government um, have had such, <laughs> I guess, training for organizing events and also community management. You know, it's it's been a very difficult three years for them, too. They've had to take up so much more responsibility and also the power of social media. You know, like uh, especially WeChat and TikTok, these are like the two main ways for us to um, to receive information and to communicate. You know, WeChat groups, uh, a lot of things. I think maybe we are we we almost take it for granted now how easy it is to bond with other people, right? To get things done uh, on WeChat. So um, I think you know if you if we think about the silver lining of it all, we can actually find a lot of things. And but not that we look that forward I, to any more challenges. Fernando, last one thoughts. of the things that yeah, I mm. think that one of the 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 important things to remember about this is some of the lessons that we learned. We learned that information can be weaponized. Um, mm. I think mm. that the regular Chinese person always had trust in, in Western governments and in, in Western media and Western people, but because this affected every single person in China so closely, mm. and, and, and we learned of the diverging pieces of information that were released out there about China from Western mm. entities, uh, a lot of people sort of like, okay, hold on. We we got to take things with a grain of salt. Where is this information mm. coming from? Uh, who's mm. saying this? And, and the best part is, okay, what is the reality that I experienced? I mean, mm -hmm. you could go for two, three years in your WeChat circle. Nobody had covered. Absolutely yeah. nobody had covered. I knew nobody mm. who had gotten uh, COVID, and I knew nobody who died of COVID until uh, the, the the later uh, stages right. of 2022, right. uh, where where a lot of people did get COVID and a lot of people did recover because science told us that it was not that bad at that point. Mm -hmm. So right. it's important to remember that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people open their eyes to how information is being weaponized to attack uh, a country like China. Mm -hmm. So but that's my my last thought. They've done it. They've they've done it so much that now uh, both I think both people in China and people in um, let's say the U.S. are starting to have probably have found out that their intention might not be that great. It's not just that the information is not accurate, it's because of the intention behind the action. You know, why would they come up with a message? I think when their intention is busted, revealed, uh, people lose trust in um, in their credibility. So yeah, I guess that's another result 
of all that that has that happened is all in the, past the time years, we which have is very important. for today if you have any comments right. or questions please email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com remember to look up fernando at fair movie both on twitter and youtube and are we there yet both on twitter and youtube thank you for your time baby and fernando thank you fernando thank can't you wait guys. to check out your video from yunnan oh must be so beautiful <laughs> all right thank you guys thank you guys bye we'll see you next time bye bye oh,